What is up, Fathom fam? Thank you for listening and supporting the Fathom Church podcast. Remember, you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited to, to dive into the Word today. We're kicking off a new series. Uh, man, how many of you enjoyed the blessing? Did you learn from that? Did you grow through that? I felt like there was a lot that God's been teaching us in the Citizen series we went through, in the Blessing series. And, and I pray that we, we understand what God's going to do in this time, too, as Jackie alluded to. Today's really the, the launch of uh, Advent season, the kickoff of Advent season. As she said, it means coming, expectation, anticipation can mean all of those things. And I feel like throughout this year, we've all been kind of looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, right? We've all been uh, waiting for when is the pandemic going to be over? When's the mask mandate going to be over? When are the political ads going to be over? When is the election going to be over? When is life going to go back to normal? When are the hurricanes going to be done, right? We've had a crazy hurricane year. Uh, but this series really isn't about the light at the end of the tunnel. It's about the light that came down from heaven. It's, it's about the light of, of salvation that is Jesus Christ, the light that is all around us, the light that shines within us and through us. So we're going to be exploring this metaphor that's used throughout the scripture, both Old and New Testament, that, that talks about light. That, and in the New Testament, as Jackie just read, it begins here in the Gospel of John, verse, uh, uh, beginning verse 9, where he says, the true light that came into the world, speaking of Jesus entering into the world. And throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, light has been symbolism for salvation. Uh, for salvation. And so we're going to be exploring this. And today I want to go to a text uh, in, in John chapter 8, in which Jesus, the end of our text today, will be when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He'll declare he's the light of the world. And, and for us not to, if we're going to follow him, we can't live in, in darkness. And so we're going to read through this. But before we get into this, as you open your Bibles there at home or right here in the room, I, I want to make sure that you know, because kind of, kind of, you'll probably see a little asterisk. A little, is, is asterisk plural or is it just asterisk. There's a little asterisk there. I don't know. I trouble with that word. But anyway, you'll see like the little starry thingamajiggy. And, um, <laughs> and you'll be like, wait a second, what's that about? Because most likely in your footnotes, it'll say, well, earliest manuscripts don't include this text. And you'll be like, huh, that's interesting. No one ever talks about that. And so just 60 seconds on that, that asterisk, there's actually a few places in Scripture. There's one in Mark, there's one in Matthew, and here in John, uh, that that happens. And I want you to know that what's kind of debated about that is not the content. The content would not be in the Bible if it was not um, in keeping with the gospel. It would never be included in any manuscripts we have. But as we found older, more ancient manuscripts, they didn't include that. So for whatever reason, the older manuscripts didn't have it. And, and so maybe later manuscripts found this text that was 
from there, and they had to figure out where to put it, right? So what's debated is not its content, but its location. There's only, I believe, three in the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels in particular, um, that have this. And so we can talk much deeper about that, but I just want you to know what it is. It's not the content, it's really the location. And the location is is actually where it's found, I think is actually pretty fitting. And I think you're going to see that as we read through the scriptures today, that I think it really fits well here. So I'm going to preach it as it lies in our scriptures, if that's okay with you, while knowing and knowing there's an asterisk there, right? That Barry Bonds, yeah, he was a little bit juiced. <laughs> he was a little bit juiced, but, but he's still the home run leader, right? right. And so, um, is he still the home run leader, baseball fans? Sorry, online, if I, I, I didn't fact check that. But anyway, um, we're going to dive into the scriptures. We're going to pick up, and it's actually not... Um, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, that's a part of that section. It's really the last verse in chapter 7, verse 53, leading up to uh, chapter 8, verse 11, and it's that section that's not in the earliest manuscript. So verse 12 is, and everything before verse 53 in chapter 7 is. So hopefully that makes sense. We're going to pick up verse 2. At dawn, he appeared, Jesus, in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Kids watching? Uh, Adultery is when there's two people who are married, and one of those individuals uh, chooses uh, to kiss on somebody that's not their spouse. That's not the person that they committed before God, and all those witnesses to love, it's a sin. It's a sin. And Jesus actually said adultery isn't just what you do with your your physical body. It's what you do with your your mind, too. So Jesus raised the stakes on on this. But in the law of Moses, they're bringing this to Jesus. Like In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus because they didn't believe that he was the light of the world. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah that had come. They were just trying to get him caught in, in an opportunity to accuse him. And so, But Jesus bent down. Now, I love what he does here. I love when Jesus doesn't just respond to accusations. He doesn't give in to when someone's trying to bait him. Can I just do a little bit of an aside? Just know how much Satan wants to bait you. Just know how much the enemy wants to bait you in your relationships and opportunities. He's just like sticking it out and just like, just take the message of Jesus here. Just to bend down for a second, just to lower yourself. Not say anything, not trying to put up a defense. Jesus bends down and he starts to write on the ground with his finger. I, I, I love this just imagery of Jesus just not responding. Just, I'm just like, like, Jesus, are you listening? We're trying to get you here. And they kept on questioning him and he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who's without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped and he wrote on the ground. The second time he goes down. And at this, those who, uh, who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. I, 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 people always question, like, what was Jesus writing in the sand, right? There's been many who have speculated about this. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even going to speculate today. But, but Jesus straightened up, um, and he asked her, woman, where are they? I, actually, I think I missed verse 9, didn't I? I, I didn't read verse 9, sorry. Um, to, to go away, one of the older ones first. Jesus was left there with a the woman standing still. Yeah, I did read that, sorry. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. And she said, 
then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. And Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we dive into this text and what it means, I I want you to know my heart. As you just leave that verse up there for a second. My heart for every single one of us watching online and in the room here today is that we would receive the light of the world in our life. The light of salvation, of true salvation. As we sang just a few minutes ago, not religion, not cold religion, but a genuine relationship that brings forth salvation for our souls. And that he would guide us, as he does, as a shepherd, as we just sang about, one that will follow him, will follow him, and it'll take us out of the darkness that we've been living in. He'll be the light of our life. And so we've got to receive Jesus as the light of the world for our own hearts and our own life. That's the starting point for this. This scene is, um, is quite vivid um, in this moment as Jesus is bending down and they slowly walk away. People have speculated that he was writing their own sins and that's why they start to walk away. I, I don't know what he wrote, but I'm, I'm guessing metaphorically or physically he drew a line in the sand And he said, hey, there's no one to condemn you. The only one that has the right to condemn you and judge you is the only one standing here, and he's not judging you. This is a vivid picture for us today who find ourselves maybe in a place in which um, we've been caught in the darkness, where uh, we're walking in the darkness and God wants to shine his light into our life. I think these two um, pictures we get, and so it starts with this. We've we got to receive Jesus as the light of the world. This is the first message we need to receive for us today, that he is the light of the world. He's the one that's left standing. He's the one from the beginning, as Jackie opened us up with that text. John 1, he in the beginning was the word. He has always been there and will always be there. Um, but the reality for this woman is uh, that this is a, an intense moment. Like what is at stake for her is her life. She's just a, um, a prop, essentially, just being used and manipulated so that they can trip Jesus up. They're just using her in this moment. But at, what's at stake for her is, is she feels like she's about to get stoned to death like physical death. And so Jesus in this moment by speaking up on her behalf is very much her salvation, her physical salvation, the light of her world when the darkness was closing in, the darkness that was within and the darkness from without in this moment. It's the most terrifying situation that any person could ever imagine in this moment. You know, in this woman, she's been living in darkness. Like she's been living in this life of sin where she's doing things in secret that nobody knows about. And those get brought before the Savior of the world, before God himself. And her greatest fear in this moment is relieved as, as God shows his great mercy and grace. But he, he draws a line in the sand that uh, I'm not here to judge you, but I'm here to save you and to send you forth into a life that does not include the darkness that you've been living in. Genuine salvation. But it's not just her that's in darkness, it's these Pharisees that are in darkness too. 
Pharisees, you've probably heard this word many times, I've taught on it many times, but um, Pharisees are basically a a small group within Judaism. That they're kind of, um, I guess you could say a holiness movement within Judaism. Uh, They're like, hey, we're going to be we're going to be a little closer to God than the rest of it. We're not going to be like all those other, like if I just use this in Christian lingo, we're not going to be like those other Christians who just like come to church. We're not going to be like them. No, we're going to really love God. We're going to really, like really pursue God and we're not going to sin and, and we're going to, and so what that's found is they become prideful in that. So it's not, it's not just the woman who's got things going on in the dark that everybody recognizes as that's sin. No, 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 it's, it's the religious folks, too, who thinks they're better than everybody else and who don't know how to confess their sin. And I don't want to preach a whole lot on confession today, but I, I just better just stop for just a second and say confession to God needs to be a daily part of our walk. Confess your sins one to another. Confess your, your sin to the Lord, not because he needs to know about it, because he knows about it. He knows about it. You're not hiding anything from him. But it's, it's us taking a moment to recognize the darkness that we're in. It, it's for me to recognize and reject the darkness that I'm living in. And this is where it comes, because you can't receive the light if you can't admit you're in the dark. Yeah. And, and everybody saw the woman who had been caught, and now oh, it's brought into light now. But they didn't see this one coming. All these super Christians, if I can just say that. They were Jews, but super Christians in the moment who were like, what are you going to do about it? I, I get messages like this from time to time from good-hearted church folks. Like, hey, pastor, did you see about this online? Like, no, I'm not on Facebook, bro. Did you see about this situation? What are you going to do about this? And I don't know. Most of the time, I'm just like, kind of go back to a text like this. I've got a right and an opportunity to speak into those things in many times, but Oftentimes I'll draw the line the saying, hey, like, let's just make sure we don't get caught up in this. Let's make sure our hearts don't find ourselves judging everybody else, then we're just as in the dark as they are. So we've got to reject the darkness in our life. Um, I think it's so important for us to really begin to, to acknowledge this. Uh, there's this city in Norway. Um, I forget what it's called. Yeah, some Norwegians. <laughs> yeah. Have you been there? Okay, awesome. That's why you're hooting. Um, yeah, you're a missionary there? I didn't know that. Awesome. Um, but there's a city, you probably know, uh, uh, up there, that it, it gets dark for like three months of the year. I forget what it's called, but it's like so close to the Arctic Circle. From November through January, it's completely dark. The sun does not come out. I think in Alaska, it's like this. The sun's barely out. It's just barely showing, or it's not even showing. It's just a little bit of illumination. And, uh, and I'll just tell you, I don't know about you, but this time of year, I just, I hate, I hate the time change. Like, I'm just, if we're voting about that, Fathom Church, we're not going with it. I just, <laughs> I move, I, I'm back in the sunshine state for a reason. I love the sunshine. I like it light, get more work done, take bike rides and walks and all that stuff. And so I just reject that darkness in Jesus' name. Just do. And the reality is we've got to reject the darkness that we've been living in. We've got to reject the darkness. And, and you say, well, how do we do that? And what it really is being talked about when Jesus says we won't walk in the darkness, we won't do that. What is Jesus talking about? I think there's a lot of things he's talking about. I think one, I think he's talking about pride. We're not going to walk in pride and denial. 
that we don't need him, that we don't need salvation, that's walking in darkness. That's like we don't see it, that we need him. Secondly, I, I think it's also could be what's talked about in First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, particularly verse 10, where Jesus says that no one born of God will continue in a pattern of sinning. Continue walking in this. Like we won't continue to be mastered uh, by this. And so I think that's what we do. It, it's through pride. It's through uh, rejecting. I mean, it's denial that we're living in the darkness like these Pharisees were, and they end up walking away. So we've got to reject the, the darkness. And, and Jesus in this moment is, is, is giving her a moment to, to see the light, to see the light of his salvation. You say, okay, well, how do, we, how do we not walk in darkness? And why do even Christians who, who love God with their heart but yet find themselves walking in the darkness again? Is that even possible? Jesus really says it's, it's not possible. I, I would kind of take it uh, with a little bit of a wider scope and say that they're kind of working hand in hand as we're coming to understand greater the salvation that he's given us. We're being loosed of this darkness the, as we're allowing his light to shine within our life. Uh, just recently, we're doing some work at the house and uh, got projects happening here, one at the house, and we got into a situation with a footer we were pouring and there was plumbing running right through it. There was a big old rusty uh, cast iron pipe and had to have them come in and, and reroute it. And when they did, man, they, we opened that pipe up and it was rough looking. I mean, the whole, and this is like where like the, the sewage comes out, you know, from the house. In fact, we had cut it thinking it wasn't important. <laughs> Not this past Friday, but the Friday before. We were like, ah, that, that can't be used. That's who, there's no way that's being used. And so we cut it and moved it out of the way. And then uh, we come out there, and Taryn's like, why is that dripping like that? And I look down the hole, and it's all wet. And um, I'm like, uh-oh. Uh, it was one of those moments. And we had to reroute it, and we had to back it up and get all of the dead plumbing out of there. And I think a lot of us were walking in the darkness because the plumbing, I- I'll just say, is our mind. We've got our heart. We've got our physical bodies. And what's taking place is the plum- our mind's kind of the plumbing, and I think a lot of us were living in darkness because our minds have not been renewed. We need some new pipes that are running from our heart, what we really believe and what we really know is true, but yet nothing's changed in our mind. It's still old cast iron pipes that are all cracked and need to be changed and renewed. And, and Romans 12 says, in view of God's mercy, brothers and sisters, and it gets to verse two and it says this, So it's in view of God's mercy. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I would just ask you for for just a moment, like in what ways has darkness kind of invaded your own heart, your own mind? What darkness have you gotten comfortable living in? Because I believe in order to to not walk in the darkness, in order to follow Jesus, we, we need a renewing of our mind. We need some new plumbing running from our heart to our actions. We need to clean out. You know, in, in the verse in which they come to Jesus and they ask him, what's the, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Do you guys remember this one? Like, what's the greatest commandment? And what does Jesus say? Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and what's he say? Anybody know? Mind. He says your mind. With all your heart, soul, and mind. And so Jesus is, is quoting but he's also adapting, adopting, and shifting the Jewish Shema. 
The Jewish Shema comes in, Jewish, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it's the daily prayer for Jews. They pray it at least twice a day, at least in the morning and the evening. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 says that they should pray this all day long. Like they should, when they should write it on their doorpost, they should, when they lay down in, in the bed, when they're walking down the street, they should be praying this prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, with all your soul. And what does Deuteronomy chapter 6 say? It's not mind. It says strength. It says strength. Jesus changes it. <laughs> he changes it. And you, I'll, I'll save you the time to go and study it out. Strength means strength. It means your physical body, your physical action. And mind means mind. It means your mental faculties. Like, is that just a translation thing? No, no, Jesus is saying something different here. For the Shema, it really means listen. My son Camden is sitting up here on the, on the front row. He's an, awesome, he's an awesome kid. When I ask him to do something, and I say, hey bud, I need you to listen to me for a minute, and I ask him to do something, he, if, he, if he doesn't do that, and he comes back to me and says, but dad, I was listening. <laughs> no, no, you weren't listening because you didn't do it. <laughs> you didn't do it. And there was so much emphasis in Deuteronomy chapter 6, on strength, Jesus is saying, hey, this isn't about your strength alone. Obedience isn't about strength alone and you doing it. Just, I'm going to try harder and try harder. No, no, you've got to surrender your mind. And I think this is a truth for many Christians today and why they're walking in darkness. It's because they've surrendered their heart, but they haven't surrendered their mind. They're, they're loving God with their physical bodies, and so that's not a question. I think that for, to the Jewish audience Jesus is speaking to, they know that it includes action. It, they, they know it includes physical obedience. It's just to hear and listen and obey. That's a part of what they understand in that. But they're not getting this mind thing, and Jesus highlights it for them. You need to love God with your mind. I would just ask you, what darkness have you gotten comfortable living in? What what part of your mind needs to be renewed and say, man, this is, this is darkness. I want to I walk in the light. Jesus draws this line in the sand for this, for this woman in the most terrifying moment in her life. And he gives her an opportunity to walk in truth and walk in the light because he's the, the light of salvation. Uh, as we dive deeper into uh, this text, I, I wanted to highlight for you um, that uh, Jesus in this moment, if we take it where it is in the text, they're in the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of the Jewish feasts. And in this time, it, it was, it's a time in which uh, the people of Israel, they look back at the time when God um, led them with a pillar of fire by day and pillar of cloud by, uh, other way around, pillar of fire by night and pillar of cloud by day. That God was leading them, that he was their shepherd, that he was their light. He was their salvation that brought them up out of Egypt into freedom and led, led them into this life of faith to follow him. And so every year they would have this big festival, this big series of parties after parties. And, and that's where Jesus gets interrupted. Like a couple of days after this, a few days after this has started, Jesus is teaching in the tabernacle in the middle of this and how they celebrated this. They would kick off this event, something known as the Festival of Illumination. And they would have these giant menorahs. Eventually, sometimes it would be a giant menorah like 75 feet tall. Like that's a big menorah. That's bigger than what we've ever seen. And they would light it up. Later in churches, uh, they would just have candles illuminating the whole, the whole uh, environment, how they would celebrate this. 
But it was all about light. It was all about how God is our light, how he's there. And so they're celebrating this. And so they would, they would have these big lights, and you, you want to see those at night? You know how we go see the Christmas lights? We went over to Spirit of Swanee. Have you guys ever been over there for Christmas lights this time of year? It's amazing. It's amazing. My boys were up on the side, and they were looking out the windows and sitting out the, the sunroof just to watch the, the lights everywhere. It was kind of that. And we were just filled with joy the whole time. The Christmas music's going. We're having a, a good time. That's kind of what was going on here. They were just, but, they, but it was spiritual. It was a lot more spiritual than what we were doing. It was spiritual, and so they would just dance all night. Once they lit these things, they would dance for hours and hours and hours, celebrating and, and rejoicing in this truth. And it's in the midst of this festival that Jesus is interrupted and shows this great mercy and grace to this woman and gives her an opportunity to see salvation, to surrender the darkness that she's been living in. It, it's what Jesus confronts in these Pharisees in which they think they're living in the light, yet they're not their judgmental spirits, their own righteousness that they're living in, their own holiness that they think is enough, is actually they're in darkness. And Jesus confronts this in this moment. And Jesus confronts it in order that um, they might know freedom. I want to go back to verse 12 and read it as we begin to close today and really reflect on this for our life. Um, uh, no, verse 12 of chapter 8. Thank you. Uh, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus makes this simple. This can be so complicated many times for us. Following Jesus, like coming out of the darkness, we can make this so complicated. Jesus says, whoever's going to follow me, that's what this is going to look like. Because when we follow him, that plumbing is going to get changed out. Say, God, I'm actually rejecting the darkness. I'm rejecting my own righteousness. I'm rejecting my own holiness, my own strength, my own ability. God, I'm actually surrendering all of my life to you, to follow you. And I would just ask you, watch online right here in the room, have you been following God with your whole being have you been following him with your mind? Have you surrendered to him your mind? The actions are going to follow that. And so maybe the plumbing needs to be changed out. Because my heart for you is that, that great light that they had of Israel being led by God day by day. And the one that they celebrated at the Feast of Tabernacles. We, we have the fulfillment of that light. Those are just a shadow of what was to come. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who came as an example for us. But that wasn't the end of it. He died, he rose again, he's exalted at the right hand of the Father. The exalted Jesus, who we follow, who we are grateful that we don't have to live in darkness. And so I don't know where you're at today. As the band comes, I want to ask you a question. Where are you at today? In your walk with God, in your pursuit of the light, in following Jesus, have you gotten comfortable with the darkness that you've been living in? Have you come to a place in your life in which you're ready to reject the darkness? 
and to receive the light. I think dealing with this question is vitally important for our faith. For walking in the truth of his light is to reject the darkness so that we may embrace the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who's come. That we might know life and might know it abundantly. May my heart for you is as you receive an anticipation of Christ coming, as you receive what God has done for you, you would experience joy. Like, genuine joy. I believe that's what follows this. I think God's people ought to be filled with joy all the time. Not because everything's perfect. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out, Robin. You, I know you, you lost your dad this week. Um, last week, excuse me. I lost my granddad this week. Um, not because everything's perfect. But there's a joy because of God's goodness and his light and salvation that is given to us. And I just want you to enter into the season just celebrating the goodness of God, just celebrating salvation that has come for us, that's, that's given us the light of life that we have to enjoy and respond to. This living in the light is going to take place by a genuine desire to follow Jesus with your whole life. And so they're going to lead us in worship here in just a few moments. And I want to invite you to stand. And I want to pray for you as we enter into a time of worship. Will you stand with me? If you're at home, I just want to invite you just to, to open your heart up to what God's doing in your life right now. And I just want you for a moment just to imagine yourself in this woman's shoes. Maybe you feel I'm actually a little bit more like the Pharisee today. I just want you to imagine just in your heart being in this moment and it wasn't her sins on display, it was actually your sins on display. Imagine the love of Jesus in this moment, the fear of death and God draws a line in the sand. Not just so that others won't judge you but so that we might know freedom and we might know light and we might walk in the fullness of his love and joy in the midst of this ceremony. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us who has come to this earth to abide among his people. God, we've been overwhelmed by a year of darkness. The darkness of death of 250,000 some odd people who have just been on display of passing away from this virus. God, we've been overwhelmed by some of the hurt, the job loss, the pain that we've seen all around us. God, we've been overwhelmed by, by that darkness. God, would you, would you shine your light all afresh on us in this season, God, that, that any darkness that's tried to work its way into our life, any darkness we've gotten comfortable with, God, you draw a line in the sand and call us to walk in the light of your salvation, the joy that you bring for what you've done for us. God, for some of us that confess today and say, God, my mind needs to be renewed. I'm walking in darkness in some ways, God, and I need new plumbing. God, would you transform? Would you renew my mind today? God, that I can make that connection by what's in my heart and how I'm living. God, this is our prayer today. We come to you humbly. Sinners and saints, God, we come to you humbly knowing we need you. Heavenly Father, we need you. Light of the world, come and make us new. In Jesus' holy name.
Amen, amen. There's going to be some folks at the crosses. If you're online, you can just type in the word prayer, and we'd love to pray with you. These, these crosses, this altar is here for you to pray, maybe right at your seat, and you just confess, God, I need you. God, I need you to show up. God, renew my mind. Help me to see sin as sin. Help me to walk in the light, God, of salvation and joy and hope in this season. We love you, church. Let's worship together and thank him for his goodness today.